Hello and welcome to Morning Fuel. I am your host, John Bundy, and you are here because you believe in the power of the spoken word and its ability to change lives. And that by sharing our stories, we can help others to overcome challenges that they cannot overcome on their own. Whether it's a victory you need to win in business or in your own personal life, you understand that the answers can be found in listening to others who are willing to share their stories, knowing that their story ultimately doesn't belong to them. All right, today's guest, businessman and owner of a local kitchen and bathroom remodeling company. He gets a charge out of taking old worn out or outdated kitchens and bathrooms and bringing them back to life and helping people increase the value of their largest investment. His goal is to be the first name mentioned when people talk about wanting a remodel of their bathroom or kitchen, to be known as the best and most affordable. His primary goal though, providing a better life for his wife and kids than he had. When asked what advice you would give others aspiring to succeed as a creative, he says, don't be afraid to fail. We don't learn lessons for success from success. We learn from our failures and losses. Don't be afraid to stand alone. Please help me in welcoming Travis Stith. Brother, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Man, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while since we first talked about it. Yeah, I have too, since you first mentioned it to me. Because, I, like I told you, I got excited by the whole, your story does not belong to you. Mm-hmm. And where people can basically share their differences, different forms of life, different walks of right. life. And everyone you talk to has gone through something. So when I listened to you and the way that you talked about your story doesn't belong to you. Right. That... that that had me hook line. And it singer. doesn't, man. It's it's just a it good doesn't, line. dude. No, man. So you know, I keep learning new stuff about you. Every every time we get around each other, like I remember the time pulling up in your yard, and I'm asking your kids who are out there playing in the driveway, like, "Where's your dad? Oh, he's in the studio." I'm like, "Studio," <laughs> and so we walk around, and there you are, you know, uh, you know, playing guitar and singing and all that kind of stuff, man. I'm like, this guy's a rock star. I don't know about you know, that. But. Come on, man. But, the, I mean, talk a little bit about that. You know, um, well, you know, we're going to get to the business. Sure. But talk to us about your, your journey with, with music. Um, I've always been connected to music. Uh, my, my entire life, even, even when I was a kid growing up in Kentucky, I mean, we really didn't watch a lot of TV. I mean, you know, parents always had it, and they're watching their soap operas and stuff, but we always had our little, little tape decks and our boom boxes, and, you know, all the kids in the neighborhood would get together, and it was different genres of music i mean anybody from i'm going to say some stuff that people ain't going to like but debbie gibson through your mariah carey phase and your rat and metallica and ozzy and black sabbath and you got all that and i just was always drawn to the sound of a guitar Mm. the distortion the pitch harmonics the palm mutes i just to me i can literally sit and listen to guys like joe satriani zach wilde Randy Rhodes, Van Halen, Dimebag Darrell can listen to them play all day long. Right, right, right. So no, me, no lyrics necessary, just no, the sound the, of the guitar. The music, it's, the, the guitar itself is its own voice. Right. So I wasn't a singer, um, but I loved listening to the sound of it. So to me, I began playing guitar, I would say around 13 or 14 years old. Okay. It was almost a way for me to escape in my own mind. Sure. I, I never took lessons. I'm 100% self-taught. Um and I could just sit there and listen to a song played on the radio over and over and over again. 
and then next thing you know, I, without even noticing it, I'm playing with the radio. Right. And to me, it was my form of escape, my sure. way to just fall into myself and just play. Right, right, right. And then as I got older, I started playing with other musicians. You know, where I grew up, there are no drummers. So everybody's a guitar player. You throw a rock in right. 10 direction, any direction, you hit 30 guitar players. Right. So it was you and me playing. One of us is playing lead, one of us is playing rhythm. Then this other guitar player comes. Then these other guitar players come. And after a while, that gets, that's too many guitars. Right. So uh, we picked up a few bass players along the way. And eventually, I got to play with some drummers. And when, when was this? How old, maybe? Um, uh, and were you still in Kentucky? No, no, no. I left Kentucky when I was uh, 13. Okay. I ended up going back at another part in my life, okay. but that's later So you on. were, you were a, what, um, a teenager here in Virginia? I would uh, say early Virginia? 20s. Okay. Early 20s when I actually got a chance to play with drummers okay. and, and um, bass players and singers, and I actually got to realize that your creativity, my creativity, his creativity, their creativity mm -hmm. could all come together to make what's known as, you know, what we call it, an original, our own improv, our own song. Sure. And to me, that's the greatest expression that you can have. Sure. Because you can play the music of a song and we could write the, the greatest musical composition there is. Sure. And you could sing a sad melody to it. Right. You could sing an angry one a remorseful one and sure. a sorry one, a forgive me. I mean, right. the, once the foundation is laid, yeah, the lyrics can take you in any direction sure. that you want. Now, speaking of lyrics, man, you're a poet. You know, not not in the way you speak. I mean, I listen mm -hmm. to you. I love listening to you speak. I love the words that you use. You got a very very large vocabulary. Uh, you 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 write. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? So you write music as well. So you say you're. You, you said earlier you're you're not a singer, but you write the songs that you're lead singer would sing then is, is that is that correct am i correct I, I sort of lay the foundation of the direction i wanted to go i when i come up with a song myself in my studio and i've laid down the guitar parts it's to a certain time in my head so it's easy for me easy for a drummer to fall in line right. easy for a bass player keyboardist whatever to get in there right what i do is i will write the lyrics as i hear the song to me right but ultimately if the singer says okay that's that's not where it's taking me. I have no problem with them altering and changing. Okay. Because so it really is a collaboration then. Exactly. It's yeah. creative control. Right. I, if if you're going if you want to be a singer for hire, so to speak, if you're a voice, you're not a writer, but you can you can sit down in front of a microphone and you can just let it go. You can scream it, sing it, squall it, whatever you need to do, but you don't like writing the lyrics. I can, we got no problem writing the lyrics. Right. All I ask when people play music with me is that. I don't like a lot of profanity in songs right, right. because you never know who's listening. Sure. And I don't want to be in a position to where we're playing a song, so to speak, and everybody's like, oh, man, I loved it. This song was great. Man. I just can't handle the language. Sure, sure, sure. So that's the only thing I ask is that, yeah. you know, just keep it clean. And yeah. other than that, sing about whatever you it's want. It's interesting you say that. I got a, a guy that I follow in business. Uh, his name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and he is from New York. And uh, up in New York, in my age... Group and I think it's others too, but uh, especially I think for, you know, kids grew up in the '80s. Mm -hmm. uh, cuss words were a punctuation at the end of a sentence. No one got offended, mm -hmm. but but I find that it was hard for me to listen to him, and I wanted to share the knowledge and wisdom that he had in business with others, but mm -hmm. I couldn't because he could, because he cursed. And then you know what happened? He came out with his censored 
<laughs> content. So the yeah. same stuff, except he's he's blanked out or beeped out, and in the, in, in the, and that was like it was refreshing because I was like, okay, cool. Now I can let my daughter listen to this. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. So well, I mean, listening to music growing up, I mean. In the 80s with rock music, of course, there was the whole, that's the devil's music stuff that all, right. every parent went through. It wasn't true. It's just, that was their right. way of dealing with disco. Right. But when my mother was the type of person that if she heard profanity in a song, didn't matter what the word was. Right. If it was considered a, a profane or a curse word, the tape was removed, it was destroyed, sure. it was burnt, it was prayed over, it was, right. it was out of a life. <laughs> Cast that demon out of the house. Forever. Right? <laughs> um and it was it was it was interesting because one of the bands that I really liked and I followed back then was Metallica. Of course, right. everybody liked Metallica. Right, right. And I tried to explain it to her that in every single album they wrote, they wrote one song about God, right. and one song about a war. In every one of them, I mean, any any album that you pick, if somebody says, "Oh, well, that's not true," then what about Ride the Lightning? You can you can pick the two songs out. I mean, uh, Creeping Death. It's about Moses. That's right. what the song is about. Right. And and when I tried explaining that to her, she still couldn't get it through her head. Sure. Until one day, um, one of my dad's friends actually convinced my mother that they were a semi-religious band, which okay. wasn't exactly true, but it was right. a way that I could listen to the music and she wouldn't break my face. <laughs> I got so, you. But yeah. that's, that's just where I go with music. To yeah. me, music is 100% escape. It's my daughter can go out in the studio with me. I can play guitar and she'll stand there in front of the microphone and just she can Dude, come up precious with precious pictures I have of you and your daughter, man. You you, yeah. you texted those to me, man. It's just she, amazing. She, she's got such a unique mind hmm. that I mean, here she is, eleven years old, no training, no no musical training whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But she could sit down and listen to me and guys playing in the studio and with her little notebook and and just write down lyrics and then right. and hand them to me misspelled right l-i-r-x <laughs> yeah. so she hands them to me and i'm like wow that's it's actually makes sense it's in time yeah sing it and right hand it to your singer or hand it to her no her. she sings it wow okay, uh, we wow. we actually had a small band going at one time and, it, and the the lead singer was he had a hard time with the fact that he was struggling at finding his range gotcha you know he would go low when he should have went high or he would you know, not carry a certain note because and hold the power of what was just said. You right. know, he would flatten out. And I still remember little Taylor Jade walks in. And she goes, oh, you're not doing it right. And she goes, dad said it should be like this. And he being a smart aleck, he looks over and he's like, well, your dad's a guitar player. I'm a singer. She right. said, you're not a singer. Watch this. And what did she do? She, uh, she laid it down and I looked over at my drummer and bass player, and I just kind of had this like condescending smirk on my face, right, and right. they were like, yeah, "That dude's fired, <laughs> right?" Know, oh wow! Man. But no, we didn't do that. I mean, we eventually just stopped playing together because we all started going different directions. Okay, gotcha. But my daughter doing that—I mean, it's like you know—you you just pumped up with pride. I just right. like a thousand watt light bulb right. is shining on her right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I hope she stays with it. I really, yeah, sure. I hope she sticks with music because she's got a love for it and she's got a passion for it sure. and a talent for it. Sounds like a natural talent there too. Mm-hmm. It's a gift, right? Sure. So talking about um, uh, music, creativity, lyrics, um, you know, the general creativity of all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's transition into into your business. You do sure. kitchen remodeling. You've you've built houses before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when and how did that start? How did you start in business? We had a lot of folks that that uh, that are trying to start businesses, have started businesses, 
you know, failed in business and are trying to start again, that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk to them here in this. Your story in how did you start your business? When did you start? Why? Mm -hmm. What were your skills? Well, um, as I said, I grew up in Kentucky. My grandfather was what you would classify as a craftsman. Okay. Um, he, for just a small quick side note, you know, every time a family member would get pregnant, he would literally hand build a manger for all of them. I mean, and he did it for my sister when my niece, when she got pregnant, my niece, things like that. But I used to come up here from Kentucky and spend my summers with my mama and papa. And my grandfather often in times had these projects going on through the church mm -hmm. uh, where he would go out and fix people's decks or gazebos, squeaky doors, you know, squeaky stairs, stuff sure. like that. And I always went <laughs> with him because it was an opportunity for me to learn. Sure. And how old were we at this time? Uh, I would say... Nine, ten years okay. old. Gotcha. You know, maybe eleven. Hanging out with grandpa. Mm -hmm. that, that was that was cool. it for me. That fishing. Yeah. Um and I remember when we moved here, I think I was twelve, eleven, twelve years old, thirteen mm -hmm. when we moved to first moved to Virginia. Um I was just always fascinated with, with working, making money. Sure. And my dad was a mechanic, diesel mechanic okay. and, and a truck driver. Okay. And my dad always said to us, always, you know. No matter what, you are not going to twist wrenches for a living. You know, I don't care what you do, but you are not going to be mechanics. You're not going to be truck drivers. What he would always say to me and my younger brother forever. Mm. So I found the opportunity. I think I was 16, 17 years old. There was a local construction company that was hiring. And I applied, got the job. Didn't pay very well, but, I mean, what could I really put down as my work experience? I worked with my papa when I was a kid. Right. right. So, and I, it just... It seemed like I had a, a natural love for it. So I had what they call a knack, I guess. Sure. And things just came easy to me. It would be something so... It, to What I watched people spend time struggling with just made sense to me. It was like mm. Mozart and the piano. It just was there. I just knew how to play. Right. Um, and I had been doing that for a while. Then I, I left that company and I went to another one. And at that time, I'd gotten the opportunity to be a lead guy. I'm in charge of the framing crew. I'm the lead carpenter. I got my younger brother involved, got him a job, and went about as far as I could go with that company, mm -hmm. um, as far as the pay grade was concerned. Right. Well, at this time, my girlfriend, now my wife, uh, was working as a draftsman for a local architect, and he was wanting to get into building his own projects. You know, not only designing and drawing a house for you and your wife, he wanted to build it too problem was he could draw it he couldn't build it mm. started talking to her she said well my boyfriend is a really good carpenter he works for x y and z and he was like have him come in and talk to me by this time i think i'm 23 okay and i went in sat down met with him and talked and he laid a few blueprints out in front of me he's like okay what do you see here and i was explaining to him what i saw what i noticed right out of the bat and mm. You know, so were you reading blueprints at the time, at that time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I learned how to read blueprints. Uh, I stole a set from a job site when I was 19. Right. Took them home, and uh, uh, yeah, I lost my job on Monday for that, too. Okay. I forgot to bring them back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I, I just sat there, and I, I would look at the blueprints, and it just, again, it was it was like Mozart and piano. Like you it could just, see I could it. just you read could it. See it. Yeah. I could see it just transforming. Okay. It, I could see it three-dimensionally. Hmm. Um, I, just, I just had a knack for it. So I was reading the blueprints with him, and I said, you know, I thought he was hiring me to run a construction company for him. Mm. So I was explaining to him, you know, what what I would be 
demanding as far as salary requirements are concerned and what have you. And he was like, well, I think we're misunderstanding one another. And I said, okay, maybe we are. Why don't you, you, why don't you talk for a little while? So he did. He said, I, I need you to get a contractor's license. I want you to be a contractor and I want you to be my contractor. So every time I draw a house, whatever, I know I can call you and you'll build it. So I said, let me think about it. I had no idea how to become a contractor. Mm -hmm. 23 years old, you know, I go home, Anna comes home. Uh, we were living together at the time, and she's like, so what do you think? I said, I think I need a beer. So that's <laughs> so the first thing I said is, I think I need a beer. So I go in, I get a beer, and I come in. I'm sitting in the floor, and we were playing chess. And she said, are you going to do it? I said, I don't even know how to do it. And then out comes Anna with the folder, just flops it down on the table. Well, I got this for you. I was like, what is that? It was all the stuff that I needed to do to get a contractor's license. Well, step by step, she had it right there. Exactly. It's like she knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to do this. I just needed somebody to push me out of the nest. If I fall, oh well, tough, yeah. have a good one. But if I don't fall, I'm going to fly. Right. So she kicked me out of the nest. And I did what I needed to do. I got a contractor's license. Right. And I started building for this architect. Throughout the years, I gained and I lost and I gained and I lost. So it, to me, it was a growing experience. And we built we built houses anywhere from 1,000 square foot all the way up to 10, 11,000 square feet. Right. Um, to me, I looked at it more as that I was creating something that was going to be here after I was gone. Mm. and didn't have children at the time. So to me, right. that was my legacy. Right. Um, so I, it, was, it was creating something. Mm. And I, I fell in love with it. I cool. loved it. Very and then cool. I kept hearing in the back of my mind, my, I kept hearing my papa's voice, don't limit yourself to one thing. Don't limit yourself to one thing. You know, if you're an electrician and nobody needs electrical work done, you don't have a job. Right. If you're a plumber and everybody's plumbing is working great, which is rare, you don't have a job. <laughs> right. So I learned the carpentry end of it, the trim carpentry, the cabinetry, tile, hardwood, siding, windows and doors, right. roofing. And, 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 you know, electrical, plumbing. The only thing I really never dabbled in was the HVAC and the, and the block work. Right. You know, because to me, I, I wasn't about to work that hard. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I that's what I did. And I just, okay. I kept going. I can, never could learn enough. Because I always believed in, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Once learned, stays learned. Right. So I learned everything I could and tried to perfect it to, to the best of my abilities anyway. Fantastic. And... Now I've got a team with me now that doesn't want me in the field uh, because I guess I'm so headstrong in my ways and they've got their ways of doing things that they'd rather me just pull the jobs in, meet with the customers, you know, um, do my site inspections, what have you, right. and trust them. That's my biggest problem is having trust and letting go gotcha. and letting them do what they're paid to do. All right. I have to be there. I feel like I have to be there holding hands, and I don't. I got a really good team with me now. That's great, man. That's great. So you, you built this over the years. You built this good team, and and uh, so now here you are. You're 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 successful in 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 your business. Your business is growing. I mean, you shared with me the other day that uh, you got contracts uh, coming in. Is something new, mm -hmm. right? Coming coming down the road. So so that's exciting. Uh, talk to us about. Uh, a time where maybe you thought like felt like thrown in the towel. I have got like, many of those. Okay, <laughs> well, I mean, think think of like maybe the the toughest spot where you just thought, well, okay, I'm just going to do something different. Well, as you said in the open, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Mm. All right, no, you said that. I was just I was just quoting you, brother. <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that um, to me, I I jumped in the deep end. I jumped in 
guns blazing, right? no plan, no strategy, no nothing. I just know I've got a contract, and I've got a contractor's license. I had very few tools, but I had the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody work for me. I didn't have the money to hire anybody. All I knew is I had this. What did I do? Guns blazing, charge full steam ahead. Um, you win, you lose, true. But to me, there were a lot of high times, and then there were a lot of very low times. Mm-hmm. Um, low times, well, I didn't know anything about change orders. I didn't know anything about um, scope of work. So here There's I was, a lot of like clerical stuff or, thing, or, or things that managerial I didn't things. I look at the project, I build the house. Okay, right. I didn't know how to handle if the trusses showed up and they weren't right. What do I do? Mm. You know, I was told, oh, we'll just throw them and scrap them. You know, can you build the roof by hand? Yeah. I didn't realize that was an opportunity to change order, make more money. Okay. And I, I lost. I, I mean, there were a lot of jobs that I did that I, I came out on the negative side. I mm. had less money when I finished the job than when I started mm. the job. And that's that was hard. Sure. Um, rent still do. You know, light bills still do. I mean, and here I am working and taking losses. So there was a time when I, I, I had to shut it down. I couldn't do it anymore. I went back to work for a few companies and different companies and built my way back up. And then next right. thing you know, the phone started ringing again. And there I was again, both feet jumping right on in. Here we go. And, you know, again, and we went charging up the mountain. But, you know, as you know, you keep going on the mountain. Eventually, you're going to start going down the other sure, side. Sure. My problem was I would fall down the other side. I didn't go down, stop, take a break regather i just went all the way to the bottom right worst part for me the lowest part in my business was um i guess was when the economy took a hit okay was it like 2009 2010 right around 2008 2009 what scared me the most about that was my my daughter was born in 08 Hmm. and um at that time i had a lot of opportunities a lot of um contracts pending Hmm waiting on people to sign and believe it or not I had people that were actually contract pending the election right and that was sure. I didn't know what that meant I wasn't really big into politics I didn't care I was like most of America then I don't care until it affects me it doesn't care well it started to affect me mm. and um, here I am with potentially for 2009 I, here I am staring down the barrel of potentially a $500,000 a year well um, Democrat won the election a lot of these old Republicans were like, ah, nope, uh, under Democrat control, we're going to be in this, threat. we're going through a recession, we're going to be in this, and they called it. Mm. And there I was, losing everything again. Right. So I went to work for another company, and in 2010, my son was born. And I told my wife, I said, i got to do something different. Anna and I had gotten married in 05, and I said, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. So I ended up taking a, pro- a job uh, in Morgantown, West Virginia as a project manager and moving away from it was kind of funny because where I'd moved was halfway between my dad and halfway away from my mom Hmm. all my family here and all my family here and I go here right we were there for about six months I was working for this company I was a project manager I was about to move into an an elevated position Hmm. till another position opened up back in Virginia which brought me here was with a company called Fry Building Corporation it was in East Beach in Norfolk and I took that job. That's what brought me back here. And then through meeting different people there, they're, I'm a project manager, and they're talking to me about, hey, you're a Class A contractor. Why are you working here mm-hmm. with all this work around here? So then Anna said, last time, no more. You fail this time, it's over. 
you know, not our marriage, talking about we burned the contractor's license, we don't get it no right. more. And through the grace of the Lord, we prayed about it, and um, sacrifices have been made, and here we are seven years later and haven't shut the doors yet. Fantastic. So Fantastic. I, and that's what I mean, just jump, you know, don't be afraid to fail because sure. we don't, like I said, we don't learn from our success. You don't learn. There's there's very small lessons to learn in success. Your failures are what we're judged by. That's what we're known by. And that's where you learn the toughest lessons. Mm. You know, my dad always said, lessons not learned in blood are soon forgot. Sure. I bled a lot for this company. Right. And right. I bled a lot for our reputation and for what we're doing. I think I've learned my lessons. Right. And, and I believe, too, I, I know you're you're uh, intelligent and savvy business owner in this way, knowing that the the possibility of another recession is it's one of those things it's a, it's always a possibility mm-hmm. so we prepare differently now i understand that you know um for me ex- you know for example when when the government's shut down three times since i started working at Na- you know for nasa mm-hmm. uh less than 2 years ago uh, i look at the last shutdown you know being 5 weeks and having to throw my tools in the car and, and go and get work and 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 you know fear for you know um my you know my family having groceries on the table and the mortgage getting paid mm-hmm. you know you know this time we go i'm going to do things differently you know and i'm going to work really really hard and i'm going to go ahead and save as much money as i can and then you know and then and then just be prepared you know mm-hmm. being being prepared so i i know that you got that same so maybe talk to us about like how, how do you prepare in business for you know well you know maybe the next election you know a democrat gets in there again and 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 the republicans well, do the same thing and you know so what what's you know how do you prepare for something like that well in in my line of work unfortunately is there's there's very little you can do aside from just putting a little away here and a little away there for the what we call the dark ages sure sure i mean we could that's one area to go. Another would be to make sure that you are scheduled and contracted out over a certain period of time. Try to stay as far ahead of the game as you can because yeah. those recessions and those, well, probably not with the government shutdowns. I mean, there's very little warning in that. Right. But with the, the economy, recessions, and things of that nature, you see it coming. Mm-hmm. It, but it's it's almost like people that don't run out of the way of a tsunami. You know it's coming, mm-hmm. but you think you've got time. Right. That's the same thing with with the economy and what I do for a living is you see it off in the distance, you know, it's coming, but if you're scheduled out a certain distance, you can make certain preparations and you can weather the storm. Um, that's pretty much what I, what my plan of attack is. I'm not saying it's the best way. Um, but I don't know anything about investing and all that. Anna, that's Anna's deal. That's not my job. My job is to build. So I, I try to plan for the future. You know, it's like they say, you know, you prepare for the worst, but you hope for the best. Sure. So as far as that goes, I, I just try to stay as scheduled out as far as I can and try to stay involved. I try to stay involved in everything. If it's if we're talking about the elections and we're talking, I, I don't want to look at who's going to say the greatest thing and who's going to get elected to by telling or spatting their lies. I want to know who is thinking long term. That's one thing I liked about President Trump was he thought long term. Mm. And that's what we have to do. Even as Christians, we have to think long-term. We can't right. think of today and right now. We have to think about it tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And and again, as a business owner, the scariest thing that we have to deal with is it's not just our families that are affected. We have people that work for us. So essentially, I'm responsible for the, the guys that work for me and their families because mm-hmm. if something happens and I fail to <clears throat> provide the projects and provide them an income, mm-hmm. I put them in a very tough spot. It's not just me. Right. 
So to be a business owner, you have to be ready and willing to take on that type of responsibility um, because it's effective. Sure. If you, you fail, you know, you can't just roll up your sleeves and say, I oh, yeah, go back out here and work here. You just hurt another family mm-hmm. and you could have hurt them, crippled them. Sure. So yeah, that's always looming in the back of our minds. That's why I say you, you in the beginning when you're starting out, don't be afraid to fail because every failure is a learning experience. Mm-hmm. You can either take it as a black eye and run away, or you can take it as a black eye and learn to block. Right, like a failure is not a failure uh, um, unless you don't learn something from it. Your blood's yeah. still in your body. Right. You still got air in your lungs. Your heart's yeah. still thumping. You still can succeed. You can That's get right. up, dust off, and learn from what just happened. That's right, brother. Well, look, man. Before I ask my last question, mm-hmm. how can how can people get in contact with you? Um, either you know, uh, you know, through social media or phone number or whatever. We're going to have these things in the show notes so people will be able to look at it too. Sure. But how can people reach out to you? And you know, online. Uh, online, we 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 used to have a website, but it was kind of useless. I got so you. Now everything is social media. So we have Absolute Builders Construction and Design at, you know, on Facebook. Okay. That's one way. Um, you can email us at Absolute Builders Construction and Design D at D. gmail.com. All right. The D is there for design. Gotcha. But everybody always thinks it's a typo. <clears throat> Again, come to Lighthouse Worship Center on Sundays. You'll find me there. Right, right, right. Um, you can always text or call me, 804-456-7206. Very cool, man. So my last question, mm-hmm. and, and this is about faith and music. Mm-hmm. So I know recently there's been some transitions. Uh, you know, you, you talked about the um, uh, the band sort of going going separate ways, kind of stuff. That's kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, where where does where does your faith play a role in in your music, your writing, your lyrics, your your guitar playing? Where where is where is where does faith play a role in that? Every in, in every aspect of it, yeah. um, because to me, I, I write about. The, the pains that I have suffered and the joys, but mainly the pain because you can, there's always a, the hero always wins in the end mm. and the hero is always going to be Jesus. Right. He, he's the hero of my life. He's right. the hero of your life. He's the hero of all of our lives. Right. So to me, I, I write what's known as faith-based inspirational music. I, I can't do hymns. I, I can't do, you know, I guess the word would be praise and worship. I, I, that's not where my inspiration comes from. My inspiration right. comes from people listening to a song and saying, I felt that. I went through that too. And in the end, by the time the chorus comes in, the bridge, the end of the song comes in, you see where the hero won. Right. right. Where you found a way to overcome that battle or to forget about that dark time in your life. My favorite poem is and will forever be Footprints. Okay, right, you know? right, right. And to me, that's, that's kind of what my music is is that you think you're doing it alone and you're seeing it before you, but then you realize that you were carried most of the way. Mm. And that's that's pretty much what I do. I mean, me, I'm trying to get another project together, but I'm trying to get like-minded individuals to join me in this quest. And it just seems like I, I can't find the right guys. You know, they've, they, they, they talk a good game. Like you had asked me at my house one day about, um, you know, how do I know who I want to play with when they come mm. in? You know, it's it's more than just asking somebody, do you believe in God? Right. You know, do you believe Jesus is Lord and Savior? It's it's almost like it's it's going to be revealed. It'll be revealed to you in certain ways. Sure. I mean, if you're there and certain things they do, certain things they say, or certain offenses or nuances they're going to have over certain things you want to write about, mm. it'll be revealed to you. 
Sure. And over the course of the last couple of years, the guys that I've been playing with, it's been revealed to me that they don't share my enthusiasm for God. Mm-hmm. And that that completely defeats my purpose and what I want to do at my house. And if they want to play at their house, that's fine. But right. my spot that I built, I, I kind of want to do it for the Lord. Right. Very cool. Travis Stiff, the Demon Slayer. Glad to have you in here, bro, man. And, uh, you know, uh, just one side note, uh, we really connected for the first time over our beards. You know, I think it was the impressiveness and the shininess of the beards, but yeah. it was at, it was at a, um, uh, a men's study at the church, the mm-hmm. uh, power of a praying husband, and, and we're, we're, we're more and more desiring that and becoming that. Brother, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, thank All you. All right, dude, you're very welcome. Thank you.